Welcome to Child Trends on Topic, a podcast series where we explore the most pressing issues related to children and youth. I'm John Lingan, recording from our headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland. 2017 brings a new Congress and presidential administration, and with them, new legislative priorities. For our next couple episodes, we're going to talk with Child Trends experts about a few crucial areas of concern for U.S. children. My guest today is Deborah Temkin, Program Area Director for Education at Child Trends and a recognized expert on bullying prevention. Before joining Child Trends, Dr. Temkin worked in the U.S. Department of Education, where she led the federal initiative on bullying prevention and helped create StopBullying.gov. She also coordinated the 2011 White House Conference on Bullying Prevention. Deb, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So before we talk about bullying as a priority for the new Congress and administration, I was hoping you could tell us where we are currently and how we got here. Back in 1999, uh, when Columbine really served as the culmination of a series of school shooting incidents, much of the conversation surrounded how bullying may have played a role in the motivations for the shooters. Um, Now, I should stress that we know that bullying is only one factor when we're talking about extreme violence, such as school shootings, but it really started the conversation on bullying prevention. We saw then um, states starting to pass bullying legislation, and only a handful by the early 2000s really had state anti-bullying laws, but the conversation really just started going then. It died down for a little bit, as policy cycles do, But in 2010, uh, there was a series of bullying-related suicides that really caught media attention. So again, suicides are not solely caused by bullying, but it really sparked national attention again um, and really drove a conversation of what do we do about this? So there's been a recent effort um, and sort of avalanche of programs and policies and practices coming on the scene to really address bullying. But unfortunately, many have not been evaluated. There's really a dearth of evidence-based strategies and programs out there. In the recent years, there's been much more effort to actually evaluate them, but that evidence base really needs to grow um, and is really where we are right now. Just recently, the National Center for Educational Statistics released the 2015 School Crime Supplement to its National Crime Victimization Survey. So these are the most recent and current data on this issue. What does this report have to say? So this report reports on data from the school year 2014-2015, and particularly kids ages 12 to 18. Um, This year, it showed that about 21% of students report being bullied. Now, to give an idea of where that stands sort of historically, it's not significantly different than last year's data or the 2013 data, but it is significantly less than the data showed in 2007, which showed that about 32% of youth uh, were bullied uh, in that school year. Now, the 2015 data collection actually asked several more items than it has previously, trying to get at the motivation for the bullying, and also to understand more about the context that bullying occurs in. Um, To the motivation, uh, we saw that the most often cited motivation was personal appearance, which is quite interesting. Um, Of all the different types of motivations for bullying that are enumerated in state anti-bullying policies, personal appearance is probably the least cited. And to see that it's actually one of the most reported motivations by students is really an important factor for us to consider as we're working on bullying prevention. Cyberbullying 
is a newer term that maybe seems more dangerous to people who are not in school, especially uh, just because of its novelty. Can you talk a little bit about the numbers around cyberbullying versus traditional bullying and how those compare? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go into any audience about and ask them, which do you think is more prevalent, traditional bullying or cyberbullying? Most people will say, oh, cyberbullying is much more prevalent. But in reality, the statistics have consistently shown that cyberbullying is less prevalent. Um, so on those 2015 numbers... And we should say that we're comparing this to traditional meaning in-person, physical, or verbal bullying. Like. Or, or social. So okay. also including things like uh, social exclusion or rumor spreading. So for cyberbullying, uh, the 2015 statistic is about 11.5%. Um, so again, compared to the 21%, that is lower. Um, I'm not sure it's been tested significantly yet, but it's been consistently lower across the years. Um, and that's really important to note. We also know that these behaviors are highly correlated, meaning that the same kids who are getting bullied online are traditionally the ones who are getting bullied in person as well. So we can't separate the issues. They are very much related. And actually, as part of the 2015 changes they made for the school crime supplement, they actually shifted the way they asked the cyberbullying question. Before, it used to be its own item. Now, it's being reflected as a, a venue or a locale in which bullying can take place. So just like in person, you can have various forms. You can have rumor spreading. You can have teasing. You can have impersonation. Um, you can have those things online and in person. When we talk about bullying, of course, we're talking about the broader concern about safety at school, school climate, as we call it. So how does bullying play into the broader effort to keep kids safe when they're at school? So up until about a decade ago, when we thought about school safety, we were really responding to things like uh, school shootings. Again, in the 1990s, we saw a string of these, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Columbine, um, which really shocked the nation. Um, you know, obviously that continues today with uh, the incident at Sandy Hook, um, perhaps the most uh, visible over the past couple of years. And obviously that's critically important. We want to keep kids safe from gun violence. But school safety goes beyond that, and we have to make sure that continues to be recognized. Feeling safe in school is a key driver of academic achievement, is a key driver of keeping kids in school. And things like bullying, but also things like preventing other forms of violence, preventing drug use, preventing just basically disengagement from school are critically important to making sure kids succeed. And we actually know that dollar for dollar, investing in things like positive behavior and interventions and supports um, or school climate and social emotional learning is much more effective at helping kids feel safe than things like metal detectors or cops in school. And there's actually been some research that having those visible features of school security can actually make kids feel less safe. Like there's a reason to be fearful because there is a metal detector at the uh, front of the school or there is a visible school resource officer. So we have to be very, very mindful that we don't move back to simply just thinking about school shootings when we're thinking about school safety. With all of this in the air and in the discussion, what can actually be done? How do you recommend that this new Congress and president address bullying and continue the work of keeping kids safe from it? Well, first, I think it's really important for us to keep things in context. Cyberbullying is part of the bigger issue of bullying. Bullying is part of the bigger issue of school climate. 
And so we need to make sure that we're focusing not on narrow livers and narrow silos, but on the bigger picture of what needs to be done. In terms of school climate, we are lucky enough to have just passed the Every Student Succeeds Act, um, which includes a great focus on school climate. But it's really up to the next administration to review those state plans to really make sure that their focus is reflective of what is in that law. We also want to make sure that we're not investing in things that are not evidence-based and that we continue to build up that evidence base. Um, we need much more research on what's effective for bullying, as well as more investment towards things that we know work um, and less investment towards things we know don't work. So for instance, one of the responses in a couple school districts to cyberbullying has been to actually implement tracking software on kids' computers. But the question to me has always been, what are you going to do with that information? If you do see bullying happen, one, kids aren't necessarily aware that you're tracking their every move. And so there's a trust issue there. So you immediately break their trust when you say, oh, yes, we, we've tracked everything that you've done. But you also have to have response. If they do know that you're tracking and something happens and you don't respond, that's going to be even more harmful to the students involved. So we have to make sure that our efforts are really supported by our actions and the research. Melania Trump, who, as we record this, is still the first lady-elect, has expressed an interest in bullying, particularly cyberbullying, so we can't expect that this will play some role in the administration's priorities. What do you see as the biggest area of concern when it comes to bullying right now? So unfortunately, there's not a lot of agreement on the definition of bullying. This has been a problem that's I think plagued bullying since it's really come to the attention of um, the nation, of researchers, of policymakers. When we look across the, the broad reach of state anti-bullying laws, for instance, no two have the same definition of bullying. Mm. There has been some movement in the research field to come to a more of a consensus around this definition, but even between researchers, we find differences in how they're defining bullying in their research and also how they're asking students about it. One of the things that the 2015 report from the school crime supplement that we were just talking about did was actually test a definition that was produced by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in 2014. Um, and that definition broadly says that bullying is aggressive behavior between school-age youth in the context of a power imbalance. And that can be anything from physical size or strength to popularity uh, to having access to more information. And that behavior is repeated or has the potential to be repeated over time. Now, traditionally, the school crime supplement has asked bullying simply based on the aggressive behavior. Have you uh, experienced being called mean names? Have you experienced being pushed or shoved or tripped or spit on in the playground? Without adding those additional components of repetition and power imbalance. So actually, this year's school crime supplement tested that definition. And we see some pretty dramatic differences when we look at that. We see that when we ask just about the aggressive behaviors alone, we get that 21% I talked about. When we ask, uh, when we give students the definition and simply ask them if they've been bullied, that percentage drops to 8%. When we ask those aggressive behaviors but ask follow-up questions around was this in the context of a power imbalance and was this repeated, we actually see that number to drop up to about 4.5%. So that definition really matters. And it really matters in how we address bullying as well. So for instance, um, that power imbalance really makes strategies such as conflict resolution or peer mediation not really viable for preventing bullying. That power dynamic 
can actually really affect uh, whether the victim in the, that case feels empowered to speak. And so we, we don't recommend those in situations of bullying. So us being very precise about our definition is going to be very important. But again, I don't think there's agreement in the field, and it's something that the next administration really needs to work on. How would you, as a researcher, recommend we come to an agreement about this definition? What would that definition be based on exactly? I think this just needs more work to bring people together. Um, the CDC definition, they're very clear, is not a policy definition. It, it's very hard to operationalize, especially for schools that have to have some sort of objectivity in determining whether bullying has occurred um, and whether someone should be punished for it, right? Mm -hmm. So making sure that more people come to that table to really debate what this looks like, including students themselves. I think the, the numbers that uh, the school crime supplement showed really highlight that this may not be the definition that students are thinking about when they're thinking about, yes, I've been bullied. And so we need to ask them. It's been quite a long time since I've been in school. I can't necessarily speak to what their experience is now. Dr. Deb Temkin, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to Child Trends on Topic. Thank you.